Welcome to another edition of the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared, just light is across the board for me. Jeff Julik, we're going to spend a whole hour talking uh, Boilermaker and Big Ten hoops with you here on what's been a slow week here, Jeff. It's been finals week, but, um, you know, Purdue, since we last talked, they go up to Toronto and, uh, boy, I tell you what, I could not believe the bookmakers were just like, yeah, no. Zach Eady, just 21 and a half points. I'm like, in Toronto, you think he's going to go home and lay an egg? I was reading all the reviews. I said, well, Alabama's got enough size to handle Zach Eady. Uh, you sure? You sure about that? You sure about that? Because it did not go well for that quote-unquote size with one guy specifically just clearly in his own head, Zach Eady living there rent-free, dancing around, doing whatever he wants to because, I mean, it's just, it, it, it was it, it was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, that's funny. They did have size, but unfortunately for them, all their size was on the bench as they were in foul trouble all the game. And boy, he just uh, he just owned Pringle. You know, the potato chip dude. He uh, he just basically uh, he snapped. He snapped for sure. And so it was uh, impressive performance. Uh, you know, Zach gets his, and you know uh, he goes for a ho hum thirty five points. And then uh, meantime, Braden Smith is just absolutely special as he uh, had just an incredible game, uh, twenty seven points, and uh, making clutch shot after clutch shot, and leading the Boilermakers to a big victory in uh, in the uh, town that that Edie owns. Yeah, and uh, it's a great overall performance. A game that you know Purdue trailed for a large majority of that and just wore them down. I thought I, I remember if it was like. Was it Robbie or was it, I can't remember who's doing the play-by-play. Mentioned uh, this is like trying to uh, tackle King Henry, right? Like he just wears you down. Like and then the third, fourth quarter, it's just you you don't have a prayer here, and that's what that's what Edie does, and that's kind of what they did. I mean, it is ridiculous to think that this. Uh, this Alabama team, would they hit 19 three-pointers? 19? Yeah. You know, they they had, 19 three-pointers. They still lost this ball game. You know, they had 10 at, at half, and they were only up by two points at, at the break. So, That's yeah. insane. Just to heart, disheartening for a team to put up those kind of uh, numbers and still lose. And, you know, and a lot of complaints about the officiating. But, boy, when you chuck out 49 uh, three-pointers, you're not going to get a lot of fouls, Cole, <sighs> because you're you're shooting it from the perimeter, and you're not going to uh, get any contact there. So it, it was so frustrating this week to have that conversation. Not just that, just because some knucklehead who says he works for Fox, but I've never, you know, nobody ever heard of him before, goes off on this tangent. It's 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 so frustrating, Jeff, because like there, I thought about this. You remember that uh, possession in the second? It was early in the second half. Zach got fouled, there's an inbound, there's another foul by Alabama, and then the lawyer got run, run over, over by, pushed yeah. down. Uh-huh. It's, okay, so it's on an official to square that back up? Like, I'm not going to call that, uh, that, that doesn't, running over because uh, that's too many fouls on them. Yeah, right. you, yeah. you can't just start swallowing whistles just because you're committing fouls because you committed too many of them. Like it, It's just such a, it's such a dumb argument. And anytime you double Zach... It's you know you you're putting four arms in there. Guess what? That's a, you've doubled your chances of catching a foul in that scenario. In what is a already uh, profitable scenario for Zach Eady because he's already bigger and stronger than everybody else. So if you do anything to hinder him too much, and they're going to call it. So you keep on dropping down the double teams. Yeah, he's going to continue to draw the fouls. It's not just that was not an outlier game. He's been doing it all season. With different crews, okay, and everybody is saying the exact same thing. But you watch, Jeff. We talked about this last year, okay? The narrative's going to come out when they realize they can't do anything about him. 
They're going to start pushing this national narrative, though. Well, you know, he gets he's called out to, to try to influence us to take away that advantage. It's going to happen. It's like clockwork. And it only stopped last year, Jeff, when people realized that we couldn't shoot from the perimeter and that you just cut everybody else loose and that you were going to be okay. You can't do that this year. No. So it's going to be coming here for quite some time. You're going to hear opposing coaches bring it up. You're going to hear opposing media bring it up. Everybody is going to try to put this into refs' heads. That's why Oates takes that technical there, right? To try to get that, you know, get that point across. They're all going to start doing it, I'm telling you. And that's a sign of a desperate uh, coach. And, you know, the bottom line is you're absolutely right. They cannot stop him. And so the only, the only hope they have is to hope that the officials can maybe help them with a few calls. And as you, as you mentioned, two arms in there, many times there are three set of arms in there. And it's basically hacking him as much as they can, hoping they don't call every foul. It's like in football where you, they hope that they don't call every pass interference, even though you know there's holding holding on every single play. And when Zach goes, what, 11 for 11 for the free throw line? Just totally unstoppable. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to this big matchup tomorrow because, uh, you know, tomorrow he's going to run into some size. And, uh, you know, they, they send a seven-foot seven foot center after you, and they send a seven-foot-two freshman with size. So it'll be really interesting how the game is officiated tomorrow in uh, GameBridge as the uh, Boilermakers face a huge test with Arizona. Well, he's seen some seven-foot action here recently, too, hasn't he? That he hasn't has. gone too well for him uh, either. I'm also surprised here. We, we've already gotten about six, seven minutes into the show here. You have not tried to make me eat crow here on Braden Smith. <laughs> now, look, here's the deal. Tremendous game out of him. Absolutely tremendous. Purdue does not win that game without his 27 points. Plain and simple. His shot-making ability there, when he came off that ball screen, you know, they would just kind of sag down on Zach to take away that pass. Well, then all of a sudden, look who starts hitting from the elbow. And then they were just confused. They had no idea what they had to do. And Brayden keeps on knocking down those shots. I said last week, as great of a point guard as he is, and he is one of the best, Purdue does not need him to score 15 to uh, you know 20 points a game. Whatever. They don't need those points every game from him to win. And mostly, you're right. But in that particular game, yeah, they needed every bit I think of his uh, shot-making ability and that 27 points that he knocked down. They do not win that game unless he hits those shots because he really opened up a lot in that one. Not only on the scoreboard there does that help, but he opened up the rest of that offense for him to be able to go out and uh, do what they needed to do because then all of a sudden they couldn't cut him loose. Zach's getting those little alley-oop backdoor passes, slamming it down, and then that's when Purdue really starts to take off there in the second half. Well, you know, Matt Painter is such a smart coach, and he realized last year that, that Braden needed to be a lot more aggressive. And, you know, he has been pleading with him to take those shots when they're there. And, you know, he is taking those shots now, and he's hitting them. I mean, he's shooting almost 50% from three-point range here. And he's become such a weapon because he is taking what the defense is giving him. And many times that's a wide open shot or it's a, it's a drive to the basket. And, you know, when those two get in sync and it's like boom, boom, you know, they really feed off of each other. I mean, you got the open roll for Zach to hit the dunk or you've got the, the pull up jumper by Brayton and Brayton has become pretty much automatic with those little 12 foot jumpers he's taken. So, you know, you're right. Not doesn't necessarily need him to score, but boy, if they're giving you that in a tight game, He's got to take his shots, and we saw 19 second-half points uh, last week, and that's exactly what Coach Painter's looking for. 
In terms of the bench, I mean, Miles Colvin gave you a really solid 15 minutes there. He hit both his shots, including a three, couple of steals, couple of rebounds from him as well. Didn't foul, didn't, or no, he did foul, but uh, didn't turn it over uh, there as uh, you continue to see him fight for more minutes. I thought he was great uh, off the bench. Everybody coming off the bench, I thought, did a, a tremendous job. Caleb first pulled in uh, six rebounds in uh, his 20 minutes there as well, but Again, a good team effort. The one thing, though, that I do think we need to bring up here, Jeff, because it's been a problem for them, but in this game, I thought they did a pretty good job. Just nine turnovers. Single-digit turnovers, you can absolutely live with nine uh, if you're the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah, you know, they only had three in the first half, and that was big. But, you know, speaking of Miles Coleman, you, you saw the epitome of Purdue basketball on that one play where Zach Eady taps the ball to to Mason Gillis, and Mason Gillis makes like the behind-the-back pass or the shoulder pass, I should say, to Coven. He's wide open and drains a three. You know, just the hustle, and then he, he gets rewarded and rewards Zach and Mason for, for their effort on that play. So you, this is a team effort right now, and that's why this team is so dangerous because you never know who's going to score the points. You never know who's going to go off. And, uh, you know, tomorrow you look like you might, you know, they, it might be a situation where we need some of those other players to go off because, uh, you know, this Arizona team's put up a lot of points like Alabama was, and it's going to be an opportunity for other players to try to score. Yeah, a couple of uh, top-ranked Ken Palm teams here as uh, Purdue still sits uh, third in Ken Palm, fourth in adjusted offense, eighth in defense, while Arizona is sixth in offense and second uh, in defense. And uh, another team, too, that plays very up-tempo in Arizona. They're fifth uh, in adjusted tempo, which is actually faster than what Alabama was here, too. So, uh, yeah, you're getting another very quality team here in the Arizona Wildcats. We'll talk about them a little bit more as the show goes on. But um, if you would have told me, Jeff, that we were going to go undefeated through the non-conference all the way up to the Arizona game, I would be more than happy with where Purdue sits at here. Regardless if they win or not on Saturday, I think you're very pleased with what you have seen in the non-conference out of the Boilermakers. Yeah, and and quite frankly, they're playing for the overall number 1 seed tomorrow, in my opinion, because you you know Arizona's going to be there at the end. You know that that Tennessee may win the SEC. You know that Marquette may win the Big East. You know you're going to have. I'm talking about UConn out there in the Big East. You don't saying, sleep you know, on UConn. If, UConn's higher up than if Marquette, Marquette does is right the now. Big East, the Boilermakers are going to beat all the champions that they have played, and it's going to come down to who's okay, the, the right. overall number one seed. And if you beat the Pac-12 champion. And well, don't forget about Gonzaga, too. You, you'd be exactly. the, the, the vaunted WCC champion. You've got to beat their champion, too. So, I mean, this could be a battle for the number one overall seed, which is a huge factor come NCAA tournament time. Uh, you know, so, you know, a lot of things on the line and and a Peacock audience available to watch it tomorrow. So they're going to be very colorful. What's going on? Like we're, <laughs> we're playing in front of animals. Uh, oh, it's on Peacock. That's gotcha. right. Yeah, you got to remember it's on Peacock tomorrow. All right, we're going to take a break. Still to come on the program today, uh, Alan Karpik, Nate Barrett, they're on the way. This is the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Welcome back. It is the Boiler Basketball Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com with Jared Chesselitis. Jeff Julek across the console for me and over on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline is Alan Karpik from goldandblack.com, a great resource for every Purdue fan. The message boards, all the insider articles, Tom, Brian, uh, Mike Carmen, 
Lord help us, Kyle Charter sometimes. All producing great content there. Good free content, but the subscription is fantastic as well. And uh, as we hit, as we almost get to the holiday here, uh, Alan, I do like to remind folks, you can gift a subscription to goldenblack.com for your favorite Boilermaker fan, correct? You can. I, I like to use lines from Christmas Vacation, one of my favorite movies. It's a uh, gift that keeps on giving all year long or whatever Cousin <laughs> Eddie says. It is. And uh, you get a little Cousin Eddie in our, on our website from time to time as well. But, no, we appreciate that. And always appreciate the nice words about uh, it's a joy to work with uh, Brian and Tom and Carmen and even Kyle. So that part's good for me. I wasn't sure where we were going with the uh, Christmas vacation. Uh, I know. I'm trying to help <laughs> you do sure job, trying to spice it up. So there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll tell you what. Alan, big uh, big one here for the Boilermakers. Sold out in Gamebridge uh, tomorrow. They'll take on the Arizona Wildcats. And look at this. A chance to be an underdog for once. Uh, sometimes you forget what that feels like. But another tremendous matchup. This team just absolutely rolling in the non-conference. And, um, I mean, regardless of what happens here in in this non-conference matchup, to get to where they're at at this point right now, in the win streak that they've had, including this season, I mean, you got to be thrilled right now as a Boilermaker fan. Well, you know, uh, you, you, you do. Obviously, the Northwestern game was a disappointment, but you can't. I think the thing lesson about this season right now is uh, you really don't want to focus, even on tomorrow. I know it's, it is the biggest non-conference game in the history of Purdue basketball. I don't think that's debatable. I don't know. Uh, I don't know when Vegas comes out with the actual line. I think Purdue might end up being a point-and-a-half favorite. Who knows? Uh, I know the uh, Jared Jesselitis book might might pay that out if we if we were gambling, but uh, it is going to be a, a, a terrific uh, event tomorrow for Purdue and a great opportunity, I think, to do what Purdue needs to do, and that is uh, replicate as much as it can what it could see in, at the high level of the NCAA tournament. Obviously, Purdue's got to get there, but uh, this is a great great test against the program that. Uh, you know, you look at uh, the teams Purdue has played this 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 uh, so far this year, and uh, it uh, somebody in that group is going to be in the final four. I can almost guarantee. It. And Alan, is this the battle for the overall number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Well, it certainly could be. I mean, I think it's early, but uh, Arizona and it's hard to know. It's kind of maybe the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are a little bit uh, the same in terms of. A lot, not a lot of star power at the upper end of the of the league, but UCLA is uh, is UCLA and always finds a way to be to be competitive and, and get better. Just like in the Big Ten, where Wisconsin, Illinois, you know, who knows, Indiana, somebody's going to may, may emerge that you don't necessarily see. Michigan State may wake up from its slumber. Who knows? Uh, but uh, I, yes, it is a great chance. I, I don't think Purdue, if Purdue wins Saturday against Arizona. I don't see it possible that you can have a better, better resume than than Purdue has just based on its non-conference. It's the best. It'll be the best resume. And I hate to um, hate to overhype, but I don't know if you can have a better resume in in the history of the tournament just based on who Purdue has had to play and the fact that they would have run the table against uh, Marquette, Tennessee, Gonzaga. And and certainly Arizona if they win tomorrow, and I think Alabama will be a team that will be a I don't know that it'll be a top 16 or top four seed in a particular region, but it's going to be a team that'll be in the top eight, in my view, by the time we get to tournament time. We're talking with Alan Carpick of goldenblack.com here on the Hammerhead Hotline. 
Uh, Alan, I was wondering, we had been wondering whether or not Matt Painter would pare down these uh, rotations, you know, 10, 11 guys out there uh, in some of these games. He has not tightened that up. Uh, but this, this whole thing with the matchups and, and how he's played has really, really worked out well. Uh, I, I think what he's done in, in managing his players and their time along with those matchups, uh, I think it's a storyline that kind of gets a little understated, maybe even looked over just how good of a coaching job he's doing this season. Well, sometimes when you have a lot of talent and people expect you to be good and, and uh, you know, that gets overlooked. You know, Matt Painter made that pretty clear in his availability on yesterday that, uh, you know, it is the way it's going to be. I mean, there's 10, and, the, and I, I don't see any natural – uh, way to pare it down any further to be very honest i think you're going to see and this is i think winning helps all this certainly because uh you got players in your program that want to win and he does have that uh but there are going to be days and we've talked about this probably about every week on this show and that is it's going to be mason gillis ethan morton miles colvin uh caleb first one of those four in all likelihood uh, and maybe cameron Hot. Camden Heidi also, I keep calling him Cameron, Camden Heidi, <laughs> that uh, will be a, uh, somebody's going to lose some minutes uh, or have games where they only play Trey Kaufman Red. I'll throw that in there too. It's really outside of Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, and Zach E. The rest of them are going to rotate in some fashion. There's going to be games uh, where they're in that, uh, they're in that 10 to 12 minute range. And even in the Alabama game, Fletcher Lawyer, you know, uh, Matt Painter was willing uh, lawyer did not have as good a game offensively uh, in that game, you know, and yet uh, he, he sat him a little bit longer. You have a, an embarrassment of riches if you're Matt Painter, at least, or at least you have a lot of options if you're him to be able to figure out what uh, you want to do and how you want to do it. And I think that's a, a great uh, luxury for this coaching staff as they move forward through the season. And Alan, is this going to be the biggest test for uh, Zach Eady? You know, Arizona's got a lot of size. You know, they got Ballo at seven foot, two hundred sixty pounds, and they follow up with the with the seven foot two freshman who has size. I mean, is this going to be the biggest uh, test for Zach in his career? You know, that's a good question. I, I sometimes I wonder for Zach whether it's better to have. And Brian Newbert wrote about this this week as well that. Uh, uh, he's almost better to have guys that are closer to his size. Now, these guys are Ballas, extremely talented. I mean, he's he's a Kofi Coburn type of guy, maybe not quite to that level, but uh, uh, he's going to present some huge challenges and that they can bring a couple bodies at him. But Zach Eady is playing at a National Player of the Year level. He's used to that because he did it last year. Well, he's playing even better. If you look at some of the some of the data points this year, he's doing even better uh, Talk about his points uh, p- points per shot is just off the chain. My point is, sometimes I think it's better to have somebody that he can almost look eye-to-eye with because he gets in more trouble with with uh, elbows to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the face of guys that are 6'9", 6'8", because that's the difference in height. So it'll be an interesting thing. It will be a big test for Purdue. Uh, I, think, I think I tend to look at this matchup more as, what you're going to see from guards and whether Purdue's guards can physically stand up to, to, to what Arizona brings to the table, which is a lot of experience, talent, and size. Uh, but I don't think Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are going to back down to anybody. They haven't yet, uh, and I think that's what's going to make for a huge challenge. And neither does Zach Eady. I think Eady will, will continue to do what he's been doing. And, and fo- I don't know if he'll follow out the entire uh, Arizona 
front line like he's been doing with just about everybody this season. But uh, I think he has a chance to do that because it's going to be hard for Arizona to match up with him no matter what side it has. Alan, uh, before we let you go, you know, Purdue's history in GameBridge, uh, they struggled that Crossroads Classic for a long time. You know, the recent history has been a lot kinder to them. Uh, can you throw out all that history in GameBridge now that we're talking a whole completely different event? Yeah, I, well, that in the whole notion that uh, this is a, these guys have had success there. Uh, I think there's so much focus on this game that none of that matters just because it's such a marquee game. Uh, again, the biggest marquee game really in the history of the program, if you look at one versus three. And, and I think that that's, that's the part. Of it. And yet, you know, as I just said earlier, Purdue's got, uh, Purdue has to look at this season, in my view, of, uh, of incremental steps, finding ways to improve. Uh, even if you lose tomorrow, yeah, that's not the end of the world. You want to, you want to do whatever it, you can to be ready. Uh, come March, and I think this is a, a great environment for Purdue. Purdue's played in several of these already. Uh, even last week against Alabama, that was a uh, an Elite Eight type game. Just the way the game was played, and the way that Purdue had to come back from a from a deficit there where a team was shooting the lights out and uh, get a win against a quality opponent. And that's these are all good building blocks for a team that has plenty of talent. Purdue. Uh, to do all the damage it needs to do uh, in March and April. He's Alan Karp at GoldenBlack.com. Get those subscriptions. you got signing day five days away. Uh, the portal is popping in football as well. You want to keep up with the latest. The gang over there is doing a great job with it, not to mention all the basketball coverage and everything else that you need. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Welcome back. Another basketball show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. With Jared Jessalatis, that's Jeff Julik. And we're going to the Blue Fox Eating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, where Nate Barrett, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, joins us here. Nate Great to have you back on here this week. Uh, uh, Jeff and I were, you know, talking earlier here. Tremendous win up in Toronto. You know, Zach Eady shows out. He's able to, you know, do the NIL stuff and and get that facilitated. That's why they're up there. But I mean, the primary goal is to win the basketball game, and uh, they were able to hang in there against 19 three pointers made. Uh, just insane that they're able to walk away with a win after sustaining that kind of shot volume from behind the arc. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's got to be most encouraging, right? Uh, you're not going to have to endure that kind of barrage from three very often and uh, could have very easily gotten out of hand there as many as they were hitting, but Purdue withstands it, uh, gets a really great victory that you know now puts Purdue forward and uh, you know, coming through finals week, going down to Indy, uh, in what's a monster game nationally, you're going to get you know great uh, prime time access there with Peacock at 4:30, uh, big time game and an opportunity also now for Purdue to be in a rare position of being the underdog. Now we can't go further, guys, without touching on Chicago State defeating your Northwestern <laughs> Wildcats the other night in front uh, of 100 people. I loved Kyle Charter's tweet about, well, this clearly means that Chicago State's better than Purdue. <laughs> Look, I, I said this on the show this week, Nate. I, I know for Purdue fans, it's, it's a little bit of a chuckle here, but two problems. One, that loss dropped them from 48 to 84 in the net, which means your quad one loss just became a quad two loss, which isn't, yep. which isn't funny. That's a thing, too. And second, look, have we not had Purdue teams, when we get to the holiday break, 
the students are gone, the band's not there, the vibe's a little bit different, and you're playing a team like Chicago State, and you get a little bit scared by what you saw on the court. I mean, we've had those scenarios, too. Haven't had the losses, but darn it, you've come a little bit too close for comfort in some of those, haven't you? Yeah, you, uh, you've you seen the high end of Northwestern, and now you've seen the low end. Uh, you, you've seen that the, uh, the Wildcats are fully capable on either end of things. And you're right, it was a lousy crowd there in Evanston that night, and the team responded. And, and Chicago State, who was 3-9 and nine coming in, seizes the opportunity and gets a huge win for their program. On, in a, you know, the good exposure for them. It's on BTN. My wife and I are sitting at home watching it in utter amazement. Well, I tell you what, though. I mean, thirty-five years ago in a Purdue game, I've never seen an atmosphere that would be that bad as what Northwestern had. I mean, there were literally maybe five, six hundred fans there, and uh, a lot of them were know, Chicago State fans. Yeah, and when you just don't have the the student section, which is what they they uh, thrive on, and, and you're going to see. I mean, it's kind of interesting to me that that Indiana's got that big game with Kansas tomorrow, and that was scheduled when their students are not going to be there now. Now. You know, Assembly Hall is going to be full, you know, of course, but it's going to be a different atmosphere than when you have your crazy student section there, which will not be there tomorrow. So, yeah, you know, interesting. You you schedule a lot of those games over the uh, Christmas holiday because you don't want to do the heavy lifting, and uh, and uh, Northwestern didn't re- respond to it, and Chicago State came in and got the big upset, and uh, you you know, you hate to see it, but those things happen. Yeah, they they do happen. And- and looking back at this game, you know, I think in Matt Painter's uh, pregame comments the other night to the media, he touched on just the, what a good job uh, that uh, Tommy Lloyd's done at Arizona, guys. He's 69-11, and 11, you know, in this is third season, and, and just has done a wonderful job. And, you know, they had some progr- problems, as we all know, prior to his arrival. And, you know, but great tradition there since Lute Olson went out there years ago. Uh, Arizona's just, you know, year in, year out for most seasons been a – a great power in this country in basketball, and and they they have a uh, you know a, a great opportunity for them too this season to be a Final Four caliber team. So you're going to have that Final Four caliber environment. You're going to have uh, Noah Eagle. You're going to have Robbie Hummel on the call. That's always great. Uh, but you know there have been a time we remember the the old Joe Marshall game uh, in uh, really maybe John Wooden's last trip to Indiana. John Wooden was in attendance when the Boilers knocked off. A number one ranked Arizona team in the Wooden uh, in the, Classic in the Wooden, yeah, to November of two thousand. John yep. Wooden was Remember in the well. building for, the, for that one, and and Joe Marshall was kind of the hero. So rare opportunity for Purdue to play as a slight, you know, underdog, if you will, here, but very even teams. And and I can't believe if if Purdue wins it, uh, that that would have Matt Painter tied with Lou Henson, which you know, just to think about for our generation that grew up. You know, with Lou as one of the other staples in the Big Ten, uh, that's amazing for Matt. We're talking with Nate Barrett here on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Um, I, I've already eaten my crow for this, uh, Nate, but uh, last week I did point out for all of the uh, all the great stuff that Brayden Smith has been providing you at that point guard position. Uh, that um, you know the, the the point average, the uh, the rebounds. Are, you, you don't need that stuff from him uh, night in and night out to win basketball games. It's nice to have those stats, but it's not necessary. He needs to take care of the ball and uh, and distribute. However, in that Alabama game, uh, he, we do not win that game without his 27 points and his ability to shoot from the elbow coming off of that ball screen. Uh, it's just plain and simple. Uh, in that instance right there, no Braden Smith shooting like that, and Purdue loses that game in Toronto. 
Yeah, all the buzz, you know, we got talked about it on your early shows, guys, was that, you know, Purdue needed scoring, you know, this season from somebody other than than uh, Zach Eady, and Braden's fit the bill, and he's having a superb season. I think Brian Newbert, you know, has called it a potential All-American type season for Braden, and, and uh, that's the kind of point production. You, you, you knew it might cause Zach's points to go down a little bit this season, but if it makes for a better basketball team, a more balanced team, uh, that it's going to be a difference maker. Braden has been so great, and he's still finding a way to get eight assists a game in his last five games. So he's been fantastic, and, and as he goes, uh, it, it makes a huge difference for this pointer maker team. And, and it changes the way that you have to defend Purdue because I think we all agree in the back third of last year, guys, uh, teams were able to really key in on Zach, and, and when Purdue wasn't knocking down shots, it changed the dynamic. As Purdue has more threats offensively, and as Braden looks for his shot more, looks to score in ways maybe he didn't last year, it's a big deal for Purdue. So, Nate, Braden Smith, best point guard ever that Matt Painter's had? Well, I'm sure there'd be a few that would want to debate that. Lewis Jackson might want to debate that with you, Jeff. But, yeah, that's why I'm putting uh, on the spot here. So, Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's pretty clear he's right up there, and by the time that, that Braden leaves here, there's, I think there's every reason to expect that that'll be true. Then there's just the question of where you put Zach Eady in the uh, all-time here, uh, Nate, because uh, the way that he is scoring very much uh, in range is that all-time scoring title here at Purdue. Uh, there will be some, too, that will say, well, you know, the other guy did it without a three-point line, and he did it in a, a year less than that. But, you know, it's a different era. It's a different time. It's a different game from there. Uh, but that will, I mean... What an interesting debate we'll have to have, especially if he's National Player of the Year and if Purdue makes it into the Final Four. It's going to be an interesting debate. Yeah, I mean, Zach should leave here with a ton of records. I think we all would, at the end of the day, agree that the the icing on the cake, the, the pinnacle of this era would be, you know, Rick Mount took you to a Final Four in 69. Joe Barry took you to a Final Four in 80, Purdue's last trip. And uh, Glenn Robinson uh, gets you to an Elite Eight appearance. Uh, so I think a Final Four trip for, for Zach leading the way on this team would, would punctuate him uh, certainly into the, uh, you know, just a little bit uh, uh, unique way. He, he'd be right on that Purdue. He's, in some ways, he's already there, I think, but uh, he'll be in the Purdue basketball Mount Rushmore if he punches their ticket to the Final Four. And if he leads you to a national championship, He's the best player at Purdue ever. Well, just saying I, that. I, I mean, it's hard to conclude. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know. Of course, again, it's like the whole LeBron Michael thing. Like, you know, uh, John Wooden was as good as anybody in his era, and uh, I, I think there there will. I don't think we'll ever, as sports fans, exhaust those era debates. Uh, but clearly. Uh, if Purdue would win the whole thing, that comes away and out of a three-year period as the dominant national player of his era without question. And, and that alone el- elevates him to certainly legendary status in this league. And nationally, I think the, the thing I keep coming back to, because my dad was a UVA fan growing up, is trying to understand, Jeff knows it better than you and I do, Jared, of how big Ralph Sampson was uh, in his era. And for Zach to come back and you know, try to make this run again. And, you know, I think he, you know, Ralph Sampson's just the guy that comes to mind that was just uh, the man in college basketball in his time. 
Nate Barrett with us on the Blue Fox Eating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. I always just, Nate, with those arguments, I just always say, it just depends on what your scoreboard is. Like, what do you value most here? I mean, is it the scoring? Is it what, you know, defenses have to do? Is it, um, you know, the way that you score? I, I, look, there's just... It just depends on what you value most in a basketball player, especially when you're trying to take a center playing in today's game versus even, you know, Joe Barry Carroll in his era. Uh, and then, you know, Rick Mount, you know, not being a center. Uh, it's uh, sometimes it's apples to oranges. It just kind of comes down to what you value most in a basketball player. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a lot of things, right? You know, we, we've all paid close attention certainly to, to football and basketball over the years, but you know, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, if the Colts have some better defenses, do they win some more Super Bowls? Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, Jared knows Pittsburgh, maybe, you know, not every part of the team was a great piece, but they had the right pieces in the right place. And, and so, you know, the, the whole LeBron Michael thing is, you know, both of them can make a lot of claims. I'm a Michael guy, but I'm also willing to say, you know, Michael came along in just the right era of where sports was, where cable TV was, all that in that moment. When you look at LeBron's body of work, you know how do you not have him, you know, right next to Michael and Kareem? And so, for for Zach here, yeah, he, you know, he clearly is is already as national player of Purdue. You know, Stephanie White did it on the women's side. You've only had three men do it: John Wooden, Glenn Robinson, and him already. And if he does it again and, and takes Purdue to the Final Four all the way, I mean that. There's nothing to touch that because you go back to what Matt Painter talks about when he's giving these talks, guys. He's about winning, and uh, they, you know, if if Zach's the ultimate winner and uh, leading a Purdue team to a national championship, that cements his legacy in a in a way that's really unprecedented in Purdue athletics history. Nate Barrett, he's got his finger on the pulse. That's why we always have him on here. It's always tremendous. Talking ball with him on a Friday night. Always appreciate your input. Uh, enjoy tomorrow's game, and uh, best of luck to the Faith Eagles here tonight. Faith Eagles taking on Seager tonight. Have a great weekend, fellas. Enjoy the game. Now is the time on the program. We like to uh, kind of go through the Big Ten. It's been a slow week, but we look at the standings. We look at what's on tap for this week so you guys can uh, kind of circle those marquee matchups here. Again, it's been a slow week across the conference because – you know, everybody dealing with finals, but uh, we sit here today with pretty much exactly what we had last week, right? Because there's been no conference play. But Indiana sits on top of the conference at 2-0, 7-2 overall. Uh, Illinois Northwestern at 1-0 in conference play, also at 7-2 overall. Wisconsin at 1-0. They are 8-3 overall after last night's win. Purdue, Ohio State, Nebraska, Minnesota, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan, all 1-1. One and one. They'll Purdue at 9-1 and one with the best overall record in the conference. Ohio State, Nebraska sitting at 8-2. and two. Minnesota at 8-3. and three. Maryland at 6-4. and four. No clue what's going on there. Penn State, Michigan at 5-5. Five and five. Rutgers at 6-3. and three. They're 0-1. Two 0-2s here include Iowa and Michigan both of which look like they are in a lot of trouble, Jeff. Absolutely, and that's a couple points there. I mean, there's four teams that only have played one game, so they've got that extra game to squeeze in after the holiday. So that becomes a scheduling crunch for those guys. And Michigan State, I mean, they're in some serious trouble. They're setting four and five right now. they got a tough game tomorrow with Baylor, and then they got a tough game this week with Oakland, who uh, has had some big victories this year. So uh, things are not looking good in uh, Sparty land.
No, it is not. I mean, the net is a borderline for them as well, which uh, you don't like. But the Ken Palm, still kind of kind to them. You know, they're uh, 16th in adjusted defense. So, I mean, it's not bad. Adjusted offense at 73. Uh, but, yeah, the the rest of the metrics look uh, not not great, Jeff. There's potential with the strength of their schedule. Don't get me wrong. But... It's I mean, not looking. They they look in shambles. You're right. And they lost Arizona by five points. So they did give the uh, Wildcats a, a good game. So. That's that's what worries me about those. It's those teams that are underperforming with talent that get up for a game like Purdue that worry me sometimes. At least that game will be played in Mackey Arena. So no Big Ten hoops tonight. Go out there and enjoy some local high school action. Instead, Saturday we get started early noon. And uh, BTN going to host the triple header. Penn State and Georgia Tech gets that thing started off there. Two five-win teams, and they're playing that one in Madison Square Garden. So Penn State trying to build momentum off that big victory over High State. See what happens. 12.30, I know you're interested, CBS, number two, Kansas, down at Indiana. And really a chance for Indiana to make a statement here. Um, I mean, they're playing with house money. Nobody expects them to win that game. Uh, it, it is at home. You got it. There's a lot on the line here. One, uh, you want to continue to be able to build a good resume here because early on, if you listen to my talks with Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology, those non-conference wins that you think are good were against poor teams, and they definitely underperformed in those games. Secondly, um, this was the game that they decided, hey, we're too big for the Crossroads Classic. We can't come down there. It's not important enough for us. Now, Jeff, it is uh, sold out, uh, that event. And here you've got uh, Indiana looking at the uh, back end of a, a, a back-to-back butt-whooping by Kansas. And then you go, well, what were you thinking? And a couple interesting points. You know, the fun part is uh, three of the top four teams uh, are in the state of Indiana to play basketball this uh, this weekend, and Indiana is not one of them. And, and quite uh, frankly, who's that kid from Indiana State with the goggles, the YMCA oh, league player? Yeah. Who's that? That dude just knocks down shots and yeah. stuff. It just looks like your uncle running to the YMCA Open gym. God bless him. I love that game. And the natives are getting pretty restless in uh, in Bloomington because you know Woodson has scheduled some marquee opponents. Uh, not a lot of them, but he's scheduled four or five of them. And every single one he's scheduled, they've been blown out in. So you know if they get another twenty point uh, loss to uh, a top team tomorrow, you know it just doesn't bode well for the uh, resume of the Hoosiers. Yeah, it's not just the UConn loss by twenty. The Auburn loss by was it like almost thirty. Uh, last weekend, it's going up against Army and, you know, a game that you're favored like by 20 some odd points and you're eking out a, uh, what, what was it, like an eight point win there? Um, you know, Louisville and the shambles that they're in, that wasn't exactly the most convincing win there. That was another eight point win that you should have been a big favorite. Harvard's another one there too. We're like, hey, you should be running these guys out of the gym and you, you're not doing it until, you know, basically the fourth quarter of the game, right? Yeah. You know, you're, it's not kicking in until then. Yeah, you went on the road and beat a terrible Michigan team. I'll give you credit for that one. But you also played Maryland at home, and they're not exactly world beaters right now either. So they desperately need a marquee win, a game that they look good in against top competition. They don't have it yet. And the Hoosiers' backcourt is just really bad right now with Johnson being out. And so they're relying on the front court, and they're going to have a major test tomorrow because Kansas has a great front court, including uh, – the return of Hunter Dickinson to the state of Indiana. So. Well, the good news for the Hoosiers is uh, they really don't have anybody until you get to 
you got Ohio State on the 6th of January, but then they've got a real murderer's row uh, coming up middle of January with Purdue at home, then at Wisconsin, then at Illinois, and then you welcome in Iowa, and Lord knows how they're going to shoot uh, at the end of January. But that back half of January, they got to get it figured out by then. That looks to be the case for the Hoosiers. Uh, so that game's going on, 12.30 CBS, 1 o'clock, uh, not on TV, and probably good, Long Island University takes on Rutgers, and a lot of uh, Tommy DeVito fans may be in attendance for that one. Just going to go ahead and throw that out. <laughs> hey, all right, Baylor, Michigan State, 2 o'clock on Fox at the Little Caesars Arena. Uh, yeah, you, you said it earlier here. This is a uh, this is must-win for Michigan State. Otherwise, the tournament's probably out of their reach. Well, I tell you what, they uh, they they played a very tough schedule and they've lost games. And you know, and this is a veteran team. They're starting fifth year seniors and they're starting seniors, and they're just not producing right now. And, and again, I I hate to belabor the uh, point, but uh, I you know we did have Brian Tonsoni on from Delphi Bracketology talk about this that uh, because of their lack of strength in the non conference, they are zero and five in quad one games here. Uh, sitting at 79th in the um, in the net rankings, the Big Ten schedule is not going to help you get right. It's just not because a lot of teams struggle with the non-conference and do not have the wins, and they're not going to be valued as quad one wins and and most importantly quad one losses this year. So they really have to go out there. They have to get this win because if they don't, they are in a world of trouble. And uh, that little streak that Izzo has would be very much. Uh, in, uh, in jeopardy. So, uh, that continues into Eastern Michigan against Michigan at 2.30. That game, uh, again, for your safety, not, uh, broadcast on television. Uh, at three o'clock, CBS, Ohio State and UCLA. You'll enjoy that one from the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Not too, uh, not too kind to the Hoosiers. Maybe the, uh, Buckeyes will have better luck. Well, you know, they, uh, that game's been played now for about 12, 13 years. It's become an annual tradition. So, uh, the Buckeyes had a big lead against Penn State. They were up by 18, and uh, they blew that. And they've got some youngsters on that team, and that's what happens. It's, and so uh, this will be a big game for them to try to get right. So weird that Ohio State and UCLA will go all the way out to Atlanta to play, isn't yeah. it? It's a little uh-huh. bit weird. Yeah. Uh, 4.30 on Peacock. It's Arizona versus Purdue. 4.30, uh, BTN's going to bring in another marquee matchup here. How about Florida A&M at 2-5 and five, taking on Iowa in Des Moines at Wells Fargo? Okay, glad we can move that one to the neutral site. And then at 5.30, it's uh, Northwestern taking on DePaul. And I don't even know what the spread will be on that game, but go ahead and give me Northwestern because you know they're, they've had a hell of a week here and they want to take it out on somebody. Yeah, they'll be an angry team headed to uh, play DePaul. Sorry, DePaul. Uh, then on Sunday, uh, Colgate uh, will bring the Cavity Creepers on into uh, Champaign, the State Farm Center, to take on the Illini. Uh, that game on BTN at 1 o'clock. Then on ESPN Plus or the Big 12 Network, whatever you got, Nebraska and Kansas State. Uh, I'm taking K-State in that one. You know, For as much as you like Nebraska, all they do is shoot threes, and they're not terribly good at it right now outside of one guy. Yeah, and they're looking to build off that big momentum of beating Michigan State last week. So uh, it's a big, big game for them. Speaking of which, uh, Michigan State hosting Oakland. Very dangerous dangerous team is Oakland. They have been giving Big Ten teams fits. They've beaten Marquette. They played a high state tough. They lost by like six points. They lost to uh, Illinois by nine, and they're on a five-game win streak right now. Tuesday, IU hosts Moorhead State, Michigan, Florida, Maryland, and Nichols. 
And then that brings you up to uh, Wednesday where Nebraska hosts North Dakota, Iowa hosts UMBC, Northwestern, out to Phoenix to take on Arizona State. Thursday, another loaded matchup, which highlights Purdue and Jacksonville, Ohio State, New Orleans, Michigan State, Stony Brook, LeMoyne, and Penn State, Ball State, Chirp Chirp, up in Minnesota, and the Hoosiers will host North Alabama. Hey, that does it for us here. We appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you next week here on the Boiler Basketball Show.